0: Brilliant. Well this is um, one of the most important days in the year for Emmaus Road because it's the day on which we kind of pause and take stock and look back and look around and look forward and ask where have we been and where are we going. It's our Vision Sunday. I always remember being taught to drive not very far from here by a extremely overweight driving instructor. It's probably a sort of occupational hazard, I'd imagine, if you're a driving instructor. Uh, so overweight that I used to have to reach under one buttock to uh, lift the handbrake. Um, I share that with you just to create a lasting image for your day. Uh, and and he, he taught me very clearly, because I just... It's probably true of my personality. I jumped in the, in the seat. I'm like, let's go. <laughs> and he's like, Whoa! And he said you got to check your rearview mirror and so you do all that fiddling around and you know if your wife's been driving you sort of move the seat into a sensible position and then check your wing mirrors uh, and then you signal and maneuver which means move off. and uh, that's what we're trying to do today we we want to check our rearview mirror where we come from we want to check our wing mirrors how we doing and then we want to signal and move off, hopefully, safely and in the right uh, direction. So, uh, rear-view mirror stuff. This has been a, a, a process, uh, really began in January, always comes up the first quarter of the year. We, different groups gather prayerfully. We seek to listen to the Lord. We seek to remember, to celebrate, uh, and to uh, learn. And um, it's been an amazing year. Most of you have got um, one of these brochures, I hope. Um, If not, try and take a look at one near you or grab one afterwards. But uh, looking back, it's been a wild ride. Uh, Over the last year, we have more than doubled in size for the second year running, uh, which is obviously exciting. Um, We started the second service in January. That's now pretty much full, so we're going to plant a third service Uh, in May. Uh, I'll tell you more about that in a second. We're starting new collectives all over the shop. Uh, We run three Alpha courses. Uh, The youth work's absolutely exploded. It was just uh, not not very long ago we had just a handful of young people, but under Matt's leadership um, there's now over 150 young people and kids alone involved in this community. And um, what I love is that many of them aren't anywhere near us on a Sunday. That's really, really uh, I mean, obviously, it stays like that forever. We're not trying to keep them away, you understand, but uh, it's healthy. And, um, and what's amazing as well is that somehow in the last year, our, our, our finances, thanks to you, uh, have, have doubled. So they've kept pace with the growth, which is good news because the church growth experts sort of say that what will happen is you, you, you grow in numbers, but then you're, you're giving lags behind, and that creates a ceiling and you know, a plateau and all that stuff. But you've been so generous. And so it's been encouraging in terms of growth, and we do not take it for granted. Uh, it, it's funny to say, oh, we doubled, but actually, you know, if you're a church of 5,000, you're lucky to grow by 5% in a year. Actually, most churches, of course, are declining. That's what the national statistics are. So against that, it's just wonderful what God's doing in our midst. And of course, if you look forwards and you think, well, hang on, we doubled last year, we doubled the year before, and you project that the next two years, then th- this is really, um, you know, we're in for quite an exciting time and uh, this is a great place to be. But I think as well as growing in number, we've grown in friendships and family and sense of community over the last uh, year because um, uh, we've invested into parties. We shamelessly put some of our budget into parties. Um, There was the famous Burns Night uh, Party, now an annual event, um, which, which was good fun. Uh, Sam Miller cracking open his tartan, uh, no, not cracking open his tartan trousers, that'd be entirely wrong, Uh, 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 coming out in his, well, that too probably is wrong, wearing, just wearing his tartan trousers. Um, Gosh. Last summer, the beach barbecue with ancillary baptisms was obviously great fun. Uh, more than 100 of us at Focus this last year. It was such a brilliant time for just building friendships, sitting around the fire at night, uh, kids running around, sort of stopping the traffic, quite literally, um, but in a safe way. Um, it, it, you know uh, worship times just it's just most it was the best time if I had to say you know where are the sort of six days in the year where we go deepest in friendships and relationships sense of community that's that please you possibly can come this year we want to take an even bigger group we're, we're going to bring a chef again and all that stuff and um, you know if money's a problem just don't let it be just come and talk to us we 'll sort you out one way or the other uh, we don't want money to stop anyone coming in fact if money's like stop you coming. You're the person we most want to come, so please come and talk to us. But uh, but come to Focus this year to invest not just into your relationship with God, but our relationships with one another in quite a busy world. And, um, you know, we were doing some number crunching recently and found out that more than half of our community is volunteering in some capacity. That is Awesome. That means that people aren't just saying, I want to be involved with Emmaus Road to sort of consume, you know, I, I, I'm into prayer or I'm into, you know, uh, I want some teaching or I want some, an experience doing worship. But understanding that we are a, a community on the move with a vision. And if you get involved here, uh, unless you're in a real mess and you're just saying, I need a bit of time just to receive, we're going to go somewhere. We're, we're, we're going to get involved. We're a team, uh, not seeking just to feed ourselves, but to change uh, the world, and actually someone in the first service said he came in, he had a very clear picture of uh, this anointing oil coming through the door, and he said it just covered half the people, 50%, and he was trying to work out what that was, and then when he heard the talk, he said, that's really interesting that... Uh, half the people are are, are volunteering. This isn't a down on those who are not, but what he said to me was this. He said, I believe the Lord is saying that it's as we give ourselves that the anointing comes. Some of us say, I want the anointing, then I'll do the stuff for God. But God says, no, you do the stuff and I'll give you the anointing. John Wimber put it like this. He said, the meat is on the street. In other words, don't sit there and say, I'm going to get all the stuff, then I go and do it. Get out and do it and God will give you what you need. That's the way uh, it works. So it's thrilling to see that people have got skin in the game. And uh, best of all, as well as growing in numbers, growing in, in sense of family, we have grown this last year together, I think, in our relationship with God through uh, prayer, a massive commitment to prayer. I think it's something we continue to push forward in and grow deeper in through a commitment to worship, uh, extraordinary speakers. I can never quite believe the people who want to come and do talks here. Um, but ranging from, from, you know, Daryl Tunningley, whatever he was, the third most violent person in the north half of England or something in prison, but he obviously was a criminal and met Jesus, right through Chris Westhoff. Those of you who were there won't forget it. uh, It was 10 days ago, Wednesday night, and she was just giving it beans, prophesying over people, Holy Spirit moving powerfully, it was great fun, Uh, through to Justin Welby speaking here a couple of weeks ago. It's just been amazing. And so uh, God's blessing us and speaking to us and drawing us into uh, his presence. And um, the worship has just, we're really growing. I mean, even just then, it's the most, thank you, uh, Ben and John and Pete, the whole team. It was an amazing time of worship. Uh, We're growing in that. One of my favorite sort of testimonies from this week, someone emailed in to say this, I was rather nervous, but coming to Emmaus was one of the most spiritual experiences of my life. I have never witnessed worship like it. I may not have looked like I was enjoying it because I spent most of the service in tears, but it was amazing. I looked in utter wonderment at people praying for one another, openly and wholeheartedly. I was speechless with an overpowering feeling of joy. Isn't that cool? So uh, we, we checked the rearview mirror, and there've been plenty of problems, plenty of challenges. We're a long way from perfect. It's why we all fit in. But uh, God is with us, and God's been blessing us. I want us to think a little bit about where uh, we are going. And funnily enough, we've had a number of prophetic words brought to us about nets. And so I thought, is there a story in the Bible about nets? And I found one. So John chapter 21, verses 1 to 14. I don't know if we've got the PowerPoint up there, but if we have, that'd be amazing. If not, don't worry. John 21, verses 1 to 14. Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples. So he's died. He's risen from the dead. Obviously, we celebrated Easter last Sunday, and uh, now he is uh, going around surprising people. Appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, which is Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called Didymus, Nathaniel uh, from Cana in Galilee, uh, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, okay, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, uh, but that night they caught nothing. Now, let's pause here a second. So um, we tend to hear fishing and think hobby, Um, you know, and and quite often you go fishing and you don't catch anything. That's okay. It's just not such a great night on your hobby. But, of course, for these guys, this was going back to work. This was going to earn a crust. And not not, um, catching anything means you're going to go home and your wife's going to be a bit naffed off because uh, you haven't earned anything. And, you know, often in life, when your nerves are frazzled, whether through trauma, like crucifixion, or wonder, like resurrection, when it's hard to find your bearings, one of the best things you can do is just get on with your job. Just put your trousers on in the morning and do the job, whatever it is. Just, just do what you've got to do one step at a time. Don't, don't kind of pause and, and, and freeze, but um, seek to just be consistent and true until God makes the next step clear. And so Peter says, let's go fishing. They say, okay. Early in the morning, Jesus stood the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. So Jesus appears at work right? Notice when you come to Sunday or you come to the synagogue on Saturday or whatever it is, it's relatively easy to recognize God. But when he turns up at work, it's easy to miss him. So Jesus turns up on the shore. They don't recognize him. And he calls out to them, friends, haven't you caught any fish? This is an annoying thing. Uh, They're already annoyed. They've been up all night, they're exhausted, and they've been unsuccessful. And then a complete stranger turns up and rubs it in. Uh, Huh? Damn! You caught anything? Really annoying. No, they answered. Now hear the Bible. It's not no. It's no. (laughs) It's one of those. My wife sometimes does those. No. (laughs) It's one of those. Nope. No catch up at all. Nope. We are actually out of catch-up. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some fish. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Wow. Then the disciples whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. If you noticed, it's the worshippers, you know, John the Beloved, that tend to be the first to spot Jesus. You're just going about your day, and then, you know, Pete Burton goes, I just wonder if this might be the Holy Spirit. You're like, oh, yeah, I remember the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Do you think God might be speaking? Oh. And so John, it's significant John recognizes Jesus first. And then um, it's also significant that it says, um, he says it to Peter, and as soon as Simon Peter heard him say it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off. He was in his underwear fishing and jumped into the water. Um, because the great thing about the worshipy types, the mystics, is they're often better at spotting God. The terrible thing about them is sometimes they don't do anything about it, and it needs the Apostle Peter to go. I think we'd better actually do something here, rather than just standing there going, "Wow, we let's." You know, so he jumps. He jumps into the water, does something. Some of you here, you're more like John. I just sense the Holy Spirit, and some of you more like Peter. Could we please form a plan? And by the way, Peter's often ribbed for putting his coat on and jumping into the water, but it was a very sensible thing to do because in Jewish culture. Uh, when you said hello to someone, it was a religious act. It wasn't just hi, it was a blessing. And so when you actually went to bless somebody, you wouldn't dream of doing that in your underwear. So he's thinking, I'm going to go and bless Jesus. i better put my coat on. So don't give him quite such a hard time. And uh, so he swims ashore. Uh, It says, the other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about 100 yards. Uh, When they landed, and I would love to know whether Peter got there first. I just really like the idea that he wasn't a very good swimmer. And and they overtook him. Hi, Peter. (laughs) Um, But we just don't know. Uh, When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Where did the fish come from? And Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. And Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. And none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came, he took the bread, and he gave it to them. And he did the same with the fish. And this was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. I want you to notice, please, the role that the net plays in this story. It gets some harsh treatment. Verse 6, it was thrown from the left side to the right side of the boat. Verse 6, the net was hauled towards the boat full of of fish. Verse 8, the net was towed into the shore, and as they got closer, it must have been bumping on the bottom. And then uh, Jesus says, go and get the fish, and Peter drags the net ashore over the stones and the sand. And so it's getting strained and grazed and thrown around, and it says, verse 11, the net was not torn. God's been speaking to us, as I say, about nets. I believe he's calling us to uh, create nets that will not be torn with the blessing that he is bringing. Mike, Andrea had that word for us. Prepare, he said, for what's coming. Souls, souls, souls. New birth, neighbors, friends and strangers alike encountering Jesus at Emmaus. Prepare, make disciples, make nets that will keep the harvest. Plan to lose no one God gives you. And then Claire Jones came along. She didn't know anything about that prophecy. And she had uh, two pictures. And they were both, guess what, about nets. Actually, she almost fell off her chair when I said, I think I'm going to speak about nets. She said, oh, I've got two pictures about nets. Here's the first picture. She saw these two nets in the air. Uh, One was full of fish, but it had big holes in it, and the fish were dropping through, and a second net was catching them. She prayed. She said, Lord, what am I seeing? And she zoomed in in her picture, and she saw that the second net was made up of people all intertwined together. And uh, she says, I know it sounds weird, but it was amazing. All the people intertwined with each other and strong Uh, not breakable like the top net. For me, this felt like this was our church. These are the people of our community. And then Claire had had a second picture. And the second picture, she says, I saw a boy with his back to me on the beach by the water's edge. He was holding a children's rock pool net full of goldfish. And God said to me, you need to have a childlike faith, one that believes everything is possible with me. So God is speaking to us about nets, about preparing for uh, a large harvest, about the nets being our relationships and our sense of community, that's one of the things that will make us be strong, and about having faith like a child with a rock pool net. This passage also talks to us, of course, about mission because we know that uh, the fishing uh, reality, that it was also a metaphor for um, evangelism. Jesus came to the fishermen in the first place, didn't he, at the start of his ministry and said, I see your fishers of fish, I'll make you fishers of men. And here he is appearing to them. They think it's been a pretty incredible three years, now it's all over. And he reappears to them, and he says the same thing again. He does it through this haul of 153 fish. And now here's the interesting thing. 153. The number echoes down 2,000 years from the first time those fishermen counted those fish. But uh, Jerome, St. Jerome, writing in the 4th century about this passage, he says, at that time, they believed there were 153 species of fish. In, 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 in the ocean, 153. And so the number is significant because what this meant was it was an image of every type of fish coming in. Jesus is saying, you're not any longer just going to go and reach the house of Israel. You're going to reach the ends of the earth. You're going to reach every tribe and every tongue, every type of person. You are going to pour in. And that's what we see in Matthew 28. He has said to them, go into all the world, make disciples of All people, all ethnic groupings. And Philippians chapter 2, we we, we know there will come a day when Jesus returns and every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. Why? Is it because God's just into sort of colonial expansion and he wants people from each tribe in his kingdom? No. Is it because he's into sort of some weird macabre collection of ethnicities? No. The reason is because he wants people in every single tribe on earth to have an opportunity to respond to the good news of Jesus. Matthew 24 says that. He says the gospel of the kingdom we preach in all the earth and then the end will come. It won't come until every tribe and tongue has had an opportunity to respond to his name. And it's not just to do with opportunity to respond, it's also because it's only together when all the different cultures and ethnicities and perspectives come together that we can truly see who God is. It's in our diversity that we see the unity that is Christ. We live in an age that's increasingly cliquey. It's really weird what social media is doing to us. With with all the different social platforms, we are now able to find people exactly like us wherever they are in the world and build relationships with them so we can ignore the people in our village or in our street who we don't like or don't agree with us and form friendships with left-handed butterfly collectors who are also into thrash metal. And then we build this tribal identity on Tumblr and, you know, everywhere else, and that's our thing. It's very comfortable, they don't challenge us, because, oh yes, I love into butterflies, left-handed too, how wonderful. Let's listen to Slayer and talk about it. You build your community, it's just easy, isn't it? And then suddenly we're called to be this first fruit of the new day as people of God, whereby different types of people, we all love each other and get on. And forgive each other when we naff each other off. And so, uh, the vision here is not just to be one demography, one uh, geography, but to, to 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 reach out to to people who are wealthy and people who don't have any money at all, men and women building healthy relationships, Uh, reaching out into the Polish community, the Asian community, to the international students, one in five people in Guildford are students, let's reach out there, let's push in there, Uh, dare I say at this time of general election, uh, socialists and capitalists getting on and saying, oh, that's an interesting perspective, let's dialogue rather than I want to throw something at you, building actual relationships, able-bodied people caring for those who are disabled. Introverts learning from extroverts. Yes, extroverts have deep thoughts. Some of you look like you're not convinced. We're seeking to build diverse community that can be prophetic and an increasingly siloed world. And so it's been exciting seeing that every single area of our community has grown this year. It's not just the youth or one area. The disciples must have been reflecting that the previous three years had been extraordinary. And as I said earlier, they must have been thinking, well, that was probably it. When in fact, the story was just about to begin. Everything they've seen and learned has been preparing them for this. I believe the Lord wants to say to us, it's been good, but this is just the beginning. I've got so much more for you. Our vision isn't just to play some kind of religious game or just do a little bit of this and sort of tweak it a bit each year. We've got a a, a bold, some would say foolish vision that we could actually transform this city and this region with the good news of Jesus. There's something within us that says it's not okay that 95% of people in this area today are nowhere near a church when Jesus Christ loves them, dies for them, and is the key to them finding the purpose for their life. There's something in us that says it's not okay that we've got one of the highest divorce rates in the country. We actually, how could we conspire together to change that? Not for the sake of changing statistics, for the sake of uh, of covenant commitment staying true, for the sake of families staying together, for the sake of kids not being torn apart by divorce. Now listen, I know these things happen, and I know that many of us have experienced divorce from one side or another, and there is great and there's always a fresh start from God. But how could we start to work together to make a difference and bring change? Not just to be a nice community, but to transform the city. Not just dozens turn into Christ, but thousands. You say to me, Pete, you're being naive. I'm not being naive. I'm being biblical. This is what we're supposed to expect to happen. If we have come to expect anything different, then I suggest we stop looking at culture for our norms and start looking at the Word of God for our norms. 3,000 saved in one day on the day of Pentecost alone. That's why you need good nets. And we have a vision not just to run the occasional sort of Um, course to help people get free from addictions, but to see many people set free and bringing liberty to others, businesses prospering, churches cooperating, no baby unwanted, no child unadopted, no immigrant unwelcomed, no old person lonely. If any of those comments were political, so be it. They're just gospel principles. We want to see the roughest estates places of joy, neighbors throwing street parties, failing schools starting to succeed, dreams and visions and signs and wonders happening by night. Just come back from Cambodia and the stories of God speaking to people in dreams and visions left me thinking, oh God, we want more of this. Wouldn't it be cool if you went into work tomorrow and someone said, I had a dream last night and it was something religious and I don't understand it, but I met Jesus in my dream. Could you explain it? These things are happening all around the world. There is no reason on earth why they shouldn't be happening here to more let's pray Uh, let's uh, let's dream for more than just a little bit more of the same this story also speaks to us about prayer and i think prayer is a key way in which we prepare our nets because notice jesus says have you tried putting your nets down on the other side of the boat and they could easily have told him to get lost but they obeyed As we grow in mission, it's vital that we grow in prayer, that we listen carefully to the instructions of the Lord Jesus Christ and obey him, even when sometimes we might think he doesn't know what he's talking about. The key is obedience and sensitivity. And that's how we try and do our sort of annual vision and budget process happens around the financial year time and as I say we look back we look around we look forward but we try to make it very prayerful so in um, 2012 we prayed and God spoke to us he said you need to really invest into your youth work and so we costed it up we came to you and said we need to do and thanks to your generosity and the hard work of Matt Davis and the team uh, we've seen the most phenomenal fruit from investing into youth work. Why? Is it because Matt's a genius at what he does? Yes, but it's also to do with the fact the Holy Spirit spoke and we just obeyed. And then in 2013, we says, well, what's your plan? What are you calling us to do in the coming year? And he said to us, I really want you to go deeper in prayer and worship. And uh, we costed that up and we came to you and very generous. And as a result... Uh, Pete Burton and his team, we've just seen this explosion in prayer and worship. And it's been absolutely phenomenal. Uh, I think there's 45 people now involved regularly in leading worship. Uh, New songs getting written, as you've just heard. And uh, next Friday, Pete's going to be on the radio playing to half a million people. Uh, They just phoned up, said, we want the worship leader from Emmaus Road. And Pete said, that's me. And uh, it's just amazing what God is uh, doing as we respond. 2014, last year, God spoke to us through several people through that passage in Isaiah chapter 54 about extending our tent pegs. And so with your help this year, we've grown, uh, we've started a new service, we've launched a building fund, we've overhauled our website, we've run Alpha three times and so on. And this year, we feel God's speaking to us about preparing our nets. So let's get practical, because some of you business types are thinking, stop speaking of metaphors, tell me what you're actually talking about. Okay, here's uh, five practical things we think we need to do in the coming year in order to prepare our nets in obedience to the Holy Spirit. First of all, I've mentioned it already, we need to invest into prayer. We're going to push deeper in that area. This is our core DNA. It was here uh, 15 years ago that 24-7 Prayer was launched it's an incredible global story. We're right at the heart of it. This is our DNA. We're going to push deeper this year than ever before. And several people have been uh, bending my ear about this, and I'm grateful to them, saying, Pete, we've got to go deeper. And at one level, you, you can never pray enough. But we just sense the Lord is like calling us deeper. You know that lovely saying, you, you take care of the depth, I'll take care of the bread. We so easily get caught up in all the breadth, all the expansion, all the numbers, but our call is to go deep with the Lord. Secondly, this year, uh, we're going to invest into our collectives and the leaders of our collectives. When John Peterson was with us recently, one bit of advice he gave us, he said, this is really where you've got to apply yourselves at this stage in your growth. And uh, so we're launching a leadership development program in September, and uh, all of our new collective leaders are going to go through it, everyone coming to any form of leadership, and it's going to be a mixture of theological equipping, but also really practical and pastoral. And uh, that's us trying to make sure that as we grow, that we don't somehow lose any of our values or our distinctives. Uh, We're going to invest this year into capacity. Clearly, the net's got to be big enough for the 153 fish. So uh, in May, we will be launching a third service in the evening on the 17th of May. And I'm thrilled to confirm that the service, it can't be in here, sadly, because um, they need it for theatrical things on Sunday afternoons and evenings. But um, it's going to be over the road at St. Mary's Church Uh, which is, I think, the oldest building in Guildford, certainly the oldest church. It's been a thousand years of prayer and worship in there, and we're so grateful to Robert Cotton, uh, who's the rector who oversees the building, who said, just come and use it, and um, we're going to be in there on Sunday evenings. Adam will be leading a whole team that's going to plant that new service, and we're really excited. We want it to be a little bit kind of better for the maybe older teens in the early 20s who some of whom are finding these Sunday mornings appallingly boring uh, and uh, we, we want it to be a little bit wilder and um, we're very excited about it and because we can fit two 300 in there and I think we'll be able to plant two services in there we can grow to at least 600 or so on two sites uh, with that and we're so uh, very very grateful um, and excited about that and we'll also this year be Um, investing uh, into we've just got to get busy with finding a venue we're deliberately we don't you know we don't want to people kind of get too uptight about venues Um, you know I've got a friend who's moved into the most incredible church building and at one level it's just a phenomenal resource but they just got news that they've got some structural problems with their church tower This is a church building that most people would give their right arm for. Just the scaffolding alone is going to cost a quarter of a million quid. The scaffolding for it. So we just got to be little how blessed we are right now that we can just use different people's venues. Okay, we've always we don't want to worship buildings. Okay, having said that, it's easier to be a family with a home than without one. And we kind of get excited when we think that maybe we could find some kind of space that could be reflective of our values, not just for sort of Sunday gatherings, because you can do that anywhere, but, you know, somewhere that reflects our heart for justice, our heart for ministry to the poor, our heart for mission, our heart for prayer, for worship, for creativity. We'd have some social enterprise in there. So uh, with the growth rates that are coming, if what's happened over the last two years continues, we're stupid if we don't get busy with this. So we've got to start putting money into a building a fund. We've begun that, but we definitely need to grow it. And then finally, uh, we we feel like we need to invest into our core support uh, staff team, our leadership team, uh, if we are going to um, uh, be ready for all that the Lord is doing. And so I am incredibly thrilled to tell you. Uh, that uh, Bill and Nikki Kuzak will be moving down here to be part of Emmaus uh, this summer, and uh, bill 's going to take on a, a role as sort of my number two, and um, we are just so excited bill has he couldn 't be better i mean he's, he's, um, He was trained as a teacher and then he served a, a curacy under um, Sandy Miller. Probably about the best person you could serve any curacy under. And then he helped plant a church in a really rough part of London. And then he came to a second curacy at HTB, uh, working with me, uh, but more importantly with Nikki Gumble. He's been running all the prayer stuff uh, at HTB. And, you know, they've been offering him churches. He's meant to now go and become the vicar of a church somewhere. But he's just been saying to me for a while, Pete, I just want to be part of the team here. I've just fallen in love with what God's doing here. And, um, You know, it's an amazing thing because uh, firstly, you know, he's turning down sort of going and running his own show to be part of a team. And he's really happy with that, excited about it. But secondly, um, confidentially, as confidentially as we can be uh, in this environment, you know, he's taken quite a significant pay cut to come uh, and be with us. Uh, If I told you the numbers, you'd be quite surprised. And um, he's saying, you know, but it's not about money for me. Yeah, and it 's not about kudos, and so he 's laying down the things that most of us, whatever whether or not you know, whatever your business context, you imagine taking, choosing to take a pay cut you don 't have to take several thousand pounds a year and then choosing effectively not to take a promotion that 's what he 's doing, but he 's just saying, "I just want to be part of this. I just want to be at the heart of this and what I love about Bill is that he walks with the Lord, he hears from God when he prophesies. And when he's with us on Sundays, it's normally because he's been walking up and down by the Riverway, praying for us all before the service. I don't know anyone who prays and walks with the Lord the way that Bill does. Is he going to be the world's greatest administrator? No. <laughs> but I read my Bible, and I think he's got what it takes. And he and I have been working together for a long time, so we're really excited about that. And, of course, the whole family, the kids are just phenomenal. Uh, Nicky is, like, super triathlete, super organized, really fun. In fact, they, she's been saying, really, I don't want to have to get a job as soon as I come down. I want to just throw all my time in with the church if I can, and uh, so we're so excited about that. We're also, um, another another exciting thing to tell you about, and it's a bit of a, you heard it here first moment, is, because um, I don't think it's been announced yet elsewhere, but um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be leaving HTB <laughs> uh, this summer. Um, I... I uh, I'm part of the leadership team there as well, and it's been one of the greatest honors of my life for seven years to be director of prayer uh, and just working alongside phenomenal people there. But the Lord's really spoken to me very clearly, that, um, and I think with all that God's doing here, I just, I just, I just want to throw myself in uh, with you guys, and um, so I'll just split my time between Emmaus and 24-7 and um, that'll be from this this summer. It's a big shift, it's a scary shift for Sammy and me and the kids, but we just know God's spoken and and we're kind of excited about it. So um, uh, we are investing at a leadership level, uh, we're investing. Uh, In terms of a third service and starting to really think intentionally about venues and buildings, we are investing. In terms of prayer, we are determined to go deeper. In terms of training leaders, we're doing everything we can do to prepare the nets for God's blessing. And uh, obviously to do all the stuff as well as grow family outreach, which is making a practical difference amongst the poorest people we can find in our community continuing supporting our mission partners, uh, all the other things we do, we need to raise quite a bit more money. And uh, you are incredibly generous. And so this is the time of year when um, we ask people to prayerfully think about how much they want to give in the coming year. Uh, Sammy and I, every year, sit down and we review our giving, and we um, always increase it. Um, some years we can only give a little bit more, some years we can give a bit more than that, uh, but we're just determined to stretch ourselves more and more as time goes on. And uh, we just want to be part of something that we can give our all to. I mean, even just making these little brochures you're holding. We, Sammy and I were up till 3 a.m. on, on our printer, <laughs> so slow, but we just want to pour our lives into this vision and into what God's doing uh, in our midst. And um, you know, we're, we're excited about it. And I'd love, I'd love you to uh, give whatever you can, volunteering, uh, prayer, but also finances. Some of us, it's hard for us to give any more money, but we can give a bit more time. some of us, uh, we're time poor, but we can give a bit more money. But um, I'd love you all to prayerfully over the next week, just review what you want to give. There's no rocket science. I've been completely transparent. Any other questions, we, we can give you any figures you want. But uh, it's very simple. We're a registered charity. We, we ask the Lord what do you want to do. We cost it up. We then ask you if you want to give. And if you're excited by the vision you give, we do it. And generally, because we're being obedient to God, uh, he blesses it. So it's a beautiful, simple process. There's no money going on the church roof or into some other pot somewhere else for bureaucracy. It's really as simple as um, that. And so in a moment, there's going to be an opportunity if you want to give Uh, maybe if you're not going to be here next week or whatever, to do so. Uh, But others, I know, will want to go away, think and pray, uh, take these little brochures away, um, cherish them. You may want to stick them on the wall in amazement at how wonderful the brochures are since we were up so late making them uh, and decide what you want to give next time. So we're here to make a difference. We're here to um, prepare our nets to be obedient to the Lord. And um, we want to respond with everything that God has given us, giving back to him. So I wonder if we just stand together. It'd be great to get the band back. Let's just, just as the band starts to play, let's just take a moment, each of us, to think about what we want to give. It's not just money, it's ourselves, really. Jesus hasn't changed. 2,000 years ago, he looks at a bunch of people and he says, Come on, let's go and fish for the nations. I believe Jesus stands in front of us now. He says you're worth more than this. Together, let's fish for the nations. Let's let's do something that changes the world. He's calling us, I believe very clearly, to get ready for something big that he's about to do in our midst calling us, I believe, to invest our lives into the relationships represented by this community. Just so our time and our prayers, our money and ourselves. I believe there are some people this year that what it's really about is just giving yourself. I know it sounds funny, but some of us find it hard to commit. But Once your kids are grown up, do you want to say, to them this is the community that we journeyed with through thick and thin or do you want to one day say well we went from that church to that church to that church to that church and you had a year there and two years there and i don't know how many of you youth leaders you can even remember their names there's something beautiful about committing to one another over the long haul i'll tell you right now if you commit to this community you'll be disappointed we're broken, we're not perfect. That's the whole point. And we'll learn to forgive. Some of us have been praying that God would teach us patience. <laughs> and then we wonder why he surrounds us with annoying people. One of the greatest crucibles for holiness in your life will be, for some of us, our marriages. <laughs> I thought I was almost perfect till I got married, and then I found out I was not far off the Antichrist. So let's just take a moment and then we'll sing and we'll take up the offering. Let's just take a moment to quietly give ourselves. If you're visiting here today, please, why don't you renew your commitment to wherever you're from, the people, the place. And if you're not gonna be here next week and you wanna to give towards the vision, you might wanna just have a quick word. If you're, we're here with someone, a partner, about how much to give. might want to be asking the Lord what, what he wants you to give.